Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, episode five of the Samurai Brothers Wrestling Podcast. And uh, it was a wild weekend. Uh, for the NCAA Division One Championships, and uh, that's going to be our uh, episode today, mainly talking about uh, what happened uh, during that tournament. After that, we'll cover a few things, some news-related uh, tidbits here and there. But uh, Matthew, you know, this is this is very much the the end of season tournament. You know, you you get high school going, you get uh, you know out here in California. The community colleges have their own season that happens. You've got NJCAA, which is the the national tournament for the junior colleges. You've got the NAI division, and then you've got D three and D two divisions uh, that go through go through their championship tournaments as well. But this you this forgot you forgot the NCWA. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. of course, the NCWA. My apologies. Yes, the probationary and club teams. And actually, there was uh, there also is the the NCWC, which is the current uh, women's uh, college championship uh, right now as well. Um, it's not NCAA, um, but that is it's very much uh, actually. I think it's the WCWC as well. Yeah, it's the WC. I think it's the or the WCWA something like that. So anyway, you know. These, these organizations uh, all go through everything. Uh, but the folk style season pretty much ends with the NCAA Division I tournament. And uh, Matthew, as you know, last week uh, we have all the big players coming in trying to see if, you know, would Iowa be repeating, you know, their championship from last year? Uh, would Penn State be coming back with a vengeance? We saw that Michigan uns- unseated Penn State and Iowa at the Big Ten. So were they going to carry that momentum going into the NCAA tournament? You had all these other programs they were wanting to make some noise. Uh, NC State, which had been emerging very much, you know, they they dominated the ACC in in fashion. And so what what were going to be the cards that were being played? who was going to win out, who was going to be upset. So I think let's get into that. Uh, you know, Matthew, I think, again, it's always exciting to see. You had the opportunity even to go watch the the NCAA tournament when you were uh, out back east wrestling. And, uh, you know, to just going and being able to see that, Math. before we get into the actual action from this weekend, what is it like when you go to – the NCAA Division One tournament and going and watching it live. What is what is that feel like? Well, it's definitely a unique experience because it's the only time that you can guarantee that the arena is going to be sold out. It depends on what program. Some programs they sell out every single, like the upper echelon ones, like Oklahoma State, Iowa, Penn State. It's those those powerhouses sell out their arenas all the time. But there's one time when a tournament is guaranteed to sell out. And to be perfectly honest, if you look at even some of the Oklahoma State duels, they, they aren't always filled out. Bedlam, definitely. 
between them and Oklahoma, some of the other high level ones, but the only one where you're guaranteed to see a sold out arena is the NCAA Division One Championship, where you're just seeing mats all over the place and everyone's wrestling and all the teams are there. And especially when you get into the finals where it's the one mat in the middle, it's the closest thing to, aside from the flow wrestling events, where it just looks like one of those special events where you're just, everyone's in there, all the teams are there, they're all cheering. The only time that this happens, everyone from around the country, it's there. It's the national tournament. Well, and, and before we get in the action, another thing I want to point out is uh, when, when uh, I was watching the broadcast last night of the finals, and so they had showed the attendance numbers, and it was consistently over, it was 35,000, uh, over 35,000 on days one and two, but then it went up to 36,000. So, you know, a lot of people want to get in there. They want to see what's going on. Um, I do know that a school that has consistently carried the best attendance record um, out of all the schools across the nation has been Iowa. You know, they're able to fill up Carver um, Arena with uh, 10,000 plus a lot of the times when they when they're dueling. So, but, you know, it's always great to see people going in there, always uh, being united behind this, you know, this sport that, hey, it's, it's people really just duking it out on the mat, trying to see who is the better wrestler. So thanks, Matt, for that, uh, you know, just giving that first-person perspective. So uh, just uh, let's go into first, you know, the first couple of things we want to cover uh, that I thought would be interesting to talk about will be, uh, you know, how the standings were going. Uh, for the teams, and then, uh, you know, just uh, notable upsets. And when I'm going to talk about upsets, I'm going to be really going into, you know, because within the last few years, you know, the committee that that makes the, you know, the the brackets and stuff, they've seeded uh, everyone in the tournament, uh, you know, kind of like how they do with the NCAA Division One basketball tournament. They, they, they will seed everyone in the the wrestling brackets from one down to 33 because they allow 33 people for a bracket so but when i'm going to talk about upsets you know normally it would be when you're on paper when you're going to have people making the quarter finals on paper it should be one through eight so you know if a if a 20 some odd seed is going to upset a some seed that's in the teens I don't know if I would really consider that an upset, at least from my perspective. So that's why when I list who's going to be upset, it will basically be, you know, any seed from one to eight, uh, at least on day one that did not make the quarterfinals. So with that being said, uh, what we saw here on uh, day one, first of all, was Penn State uh, was the leader. uh, And and after day one, the scores weren't very high, you know, because – you're just getting your first couple of rounds in. You're getting your people in the quarterfinals and such. So, you know, at, at that point, it would be considered a close race. You're looking at Penn State. They had 26 team points, and they had six wrestlers make the quarterfinals, and they had three wrestlers uh, in the consolation brackets. Uh, in second place, you had Arizona State with 21 and a half points, five in the quarters, two in consoles. Uh, three, you had the surprise Big Ten winner, Michigan, uh, only a half point behind ASU at 21 points, seven in the quarters, two in consolation. 
Fourth place was Iowa with 20 points, six in the quarters, four in the consolations. And your fifth place team was NC State with 16 and a half points, four in the quarters, six in cons. Now, at this point, Matthew, you know, when you're seeing how the teams are looking, you know, does it come as any surprise that, you know, Penn State would be leading the, the way they are after day one? And uh, you've got these other teams that are pretty much trying to represent, but three of them are Big Ten. But you got NC State trying to pull up, uh, you know, to make the, the noise that, you know, we had discussed uh, last week. What do you think of how the standings were going so far at that time? Well, it looked like there was a possibility that it could have been anyone's game. But at that point, with the consistency of Penn State and the Big Ten uh, teams, it was pretty obvious that it was probably going to be one of the Big Ten teams. Or that, did I say Big Ten or Big Ten? Big Ten. It yes. was going to be one of the Big Ten teams. And uh, ultimately, that proved to be the case. And I don't, I legitimately don't know what exactly NC State could accomplish. Because, again, they had all 10, but as we've talked about before, the ACC is not known for its wrestling. It's known for other sports, and while NC State's performance was definitely spectacular and uh, impressive for the ACC, unfortunately, like I said, it's the ACC. So they're performing. Ultimately, their qualifying 10, it made for, in theory, the possibility of an upset. But, again, this is one of those things where it has to be an across-the-bracket thing. If you just take 10 people and you have a few of them go to and out, then it you know, ultimately wouldn't matter. Well, and that could almost translate to, uh, you know, kind of going back to the California State Finals where, you know, you had Poway. They did take... Uh, you know, all 14 and Buchanan was kind of at a disadvantage, even though they ended up winning the tournament, but Poway ended up not getting anyone into the finals, which was a real big hurt for them. Uh, so again, you're right. Numbers don't necessarily translate to the getting the final results. Um, it's, it's how good your guys are ultimately going to be, you know, when they get to that big tournament, Right. Yeah, ultimately, it's you might have an easier path to taking most, if not all, your people to the national tur- the championship. But if you don't produce at the actual event, then you know the the hype is kind of pointless. So let's go through the the uh, upsets, you know, of the uh, top eight seeds uh, because. Uh, what we saw was there were none of the weight classes didn't have at least one top eight seed not make the quarterfinals. And uh, so going into this, uh, what we saw was the 125 pound weight class had was one of two weight classes that had at least three seeds not make the quarters. And that was number six, Barnett of Wisconsin, number seven, Mastro Giovanni of Oklahoma State, and number eight, McKee. Minnesota. So for them, though, it wasn't, you know, these were wrestlers that very sure, uh, you know, wrestled their hearts out, but it seems like, you know, they got undone by 
uh, some of the wrestlers under them. Um, and then at 133 pounds, you had the seven and eight seeds, which was Bird of Illinois, uh, Foley of Michigan State. So we haven't really seen any any of the, the top contender teams losing any of their guys uh, just yet. But, Matthew, uh, as, uh, you know, we were updating each other, uh, it was the two-seed Ironman of Iowa who lost his match, round of 16 match, um, and he actually lost it to the number 15 seed uh, from North Carolina, who was uh, Clark, and then also the number five seed of um, uh, Alarez, who was University of Northern Colorado, and uh, number seven seed of Carlson from South Dakota State. So, Matthew, at this point, Ironman, who's you know supposed to be one of the, the top guys for, for Iowa, has lost this. So, you know, do you think that, um, you know, this could cause some concern for Iowa when they're trying to be a contender for the championship? Well, yeah, you have one of your best guys who is supposed to potentially be winning it, and all of a sudden he gets an upset in the quarters. It's just like, uh-oh, what are we supposed to do? Because you've only got so many people in there, and if, if even one of them in a close match at a close race as it was even falters then forget even competing for the top of the podium you're looking at well are we even going to make like second are we even going to be contention for the podium so in a close race that in a potentially close race that you know one win can make a difference well and that that would go to being said uh because i am looking at the the I'm kind of pulling up the brackets right now. And uh, this match wasn't, you know, wasn't a dominant match. Uh, Clark ended up having to, you know, they went to sudden victory and Clark was able to get the takedown. So ended up being a 4-2 match uh, as the result. Now, I, I, I will not to take any credit away from uh, Clark, but it, it does seem that uh, at least some reports I was hearing was that Ironman, uh, was hurt, uh, you know, going into this tournament. And so he was having to, to fight through injury the way that he was. And, you know, that, that, that can, uh, you know, that can cause, you know, an effect on, on how you end up wrestling. So, you know, possibly that, you know, it seems that Clark may have been the, the wrestler in, in better shape than Ironman uh, because of that. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you, you know, that from experience, you know, when, when you had to try and fight through injuries, you know, you didn't perform as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a grind, it's a grind to try and get through that. Don't you think? Yeah. And I was, I was fortunate in that, um, the two years I had injuries, one for high school, one for uh, college, they happen earlier in the season. So ultimately by the time the Fine. By the time the postseason came around, it didn't affect me as much. But still, if yeah, if you're going with a nagging injury into the championship, it's not gonna go very well, and you're just not gonna wrestle at your best. So, but that therein lies whether your opponent can take advantage of that and just wrestle the best they can which is what Clark was able to do against Ironman. 
So then when we go from 149 up to 165, there were only one, there was only one top eight seed that lost in, in each of those weight classes, not making the, uh, the quarterfinals. You had Milner from Appalachian State, who was the number six seed at 49s. Uh, you had uh, Conagliaro, I'm sorry if I got the name wrong, from Harvard, who was the number eight seed at 165. So but then the surprise at 157 was Carr from Iowa State, who was the number one seed, uh, ended up losing. And if I'm going into the bracket, and Matthew, he, he lost a 2-1 match on the tiebreaker. Uh, he... Uh, you know, the way that that went was they, they wrestled through the Sun victory and, it, you know, Willits, who upset him from Oregon State, uh, you know, got his escape, but was able from from how I'm reading that was able to ride him out to get that 2-1 victory. And I think sometimes that's that's just a uh, it's just a, a, a will of power, don't you think, to be able to to ride out the, the number one ranked person in your in your weight class uh yeah well uh especially if you're talking about if you're ranked number one you're usually pretty good at both escapes and takedowns so the fact that he was able to come away with that just goes to show how good of a wrestler he is so or or and it just goes to show that the the you're pulling off an upset that's where it's one of those times where you just have to pull out everything you've got and trying to uh hold out on something like that one of those kitchen the the kitchen sink moment right yeah just throw everything out there and and i'm looking i'm looking at the stats so basically so i'm looking at it like this there was there was no um you know, there was no obviously no scoring sudden victory. Carr had the first choice, so he he put down and he was he got ridden out. And and here's where it must have been a crazy match because when I'm looking at the track wrestling result, Willits, who upset Carr, got out with one second remaining in the period. Now I'm very sure that must have been crazy. I'm almost certain that maybe Iowa State tried to challenge that, although I don't know. I don't know for certain if that was the case, but that that must have been some pandemonium uh, for Oregon State when when Willits got his escape like that, don't you think? Well, yeah, because at that point, it, there's there's your point, and then you got to take riding into consideration. And if you've got one point, and the riding, you know, if you're leading high enough to where the riding point doesn't come into effect. You know, that that's that's uh, just one of those things where it's like finding the time to actually get out is where that comes to play. Like we've mentioned my my um, my badly officiated uh, masters match. If I'd actually gotten out, then I would it would have gone to some, at minimum gone to some victory. Right. So it just goes to show how stuff like that that's yeah, just how, how you how you wrestle how you end up scoring your points yeah i know that i've been in i've been in there before you know a couple times and and sometimes especially when uh like 
I know that I lost a couple matches when like when I would be going out and doing the freestyle uh, tournaments, but you know, the coaches that ran the thing didn't really bring anyone in that knew how to officiate. So they'd just be having some of their, you know, freshmen or sophomore wrestlers going out there and trying to, to do, you know, officiating matches and they're not going to know everything. They're not, especially they're not going to know like a stall call or something or a really close, you know, scramble. So they, they're not going to know what to do. So you, you got to make sure that you're clearly dominant, um, you know, when trying to, to me, I think instead of trying to wrestle a close match or something, I think going out there, especially when you know, you can dominate your opponent, I think is an important one to show that, you know, you're leaving less room for controversy or you're leaving less room for uh, a possible heartbreak, like the way that, you know, this match may have gone. So with that being said, uh, just to kind of round out everything. So there wasn't really any big uh, upsets uh, except for 197. Uh, you had 174, the seven and eight seeds lost, which was Smith of Ohio State, O'Malley from Drexel. 184, Iowa State, another blow. Um, they did lose Coleman, who was their eight seed. Um, so Iowa State was out. Uh, at heavyweights, you had Stencil from Central Michigan. And uh, also at, at heavyweight, he was the eight seed. He lost out. But then you had... At 197, you had the five seed Bonacorsi from Pitt. Uh, but then here's where it got bad for Michigan is that they lost their number four seed, Brucky. Uh, so he was not able to reach the quarterfinals. So, Matthew, at that point, you know, Iowa takes their hit, but now it's Michigan's turn to, to take their hit. And, and do you think that that's, that's going to that's gonna make it tough for them to try and get into, you know, into the race, don't you think? Especially if they're losing a top eight seed. Yeah, it was one of those things where Michigan, well, Michigan and Iowa, they didn't really have much uh, margin for error. Like I said, the Big Tens was an upset. So it's like if they wanted to be able to pull another upset, they would have had to been all wrestling their best. And if they weren't wrestling their best, then, well, Michigan just wasn't going to be able to pull it off. So, All right. So uh, with that being said, I want to move into day two. So day two, I first want to go over um, what happened, you know, who upset who, and then we'll go and then we'll kind of review uh, what the, uh, what the team scores was, because then that's going to really tell us how the race was going into uh, for the final day. So uh, just going into it, Matthew, uh, you know, what we saw was that the, the um, going at, at 125 first. So uh, pretty much going into the semifinals, all four, all four seeds, all top four seeds made the, the semifinals at 125. So you had Suriano, uh, you know, who was the, who was the champion at uh, 133 back in, 2019 he had he had actually been at Rutgers before he decided to uh, transfer to Michigan uh, following uh, getting another year of eligibility uh, from COVID Uh, but I think one of the things that he had been doing it seems to me was that you know because he had wrestled at 
133s. He won the championship at 133s. It almost seems to me that he might have been avoiding Spencer Lee because Spencer Lee uh, had a three-peat going uh, from his side. Although Suriano was also kind of dealing with uh, DeSanto from Iowa also. But so you've got him. You've got Courtney from ASU, the four seed. You've got Glory uh, from Princeton who, you know, you don't, I don't know how much you would say that you see a lot of, you know, Ivy League schools, uh, aside from Cornell, you know, getting this far in the tournament. But Gloria was, was certainly showing why he was the three seed. And then you've, you had Aru, uh, Arujo from Cornell. So you had an EIWA matchup right there uh, on that side of, of the bracket. In the end, it was Suriano, uh, Decision Courtney, and then you had Prince, uh, you had Glory from Princeton, who major decision Arujao, uh, thirteen to five to advance to the finals. So Suriano coming back, trying to go for a second title, and then you got Glory from Princeton, who you know makes a statement, you know, from the Ivy League uh, that hey, we've got someone in the finals right there. So you know this is. I mean, Matthew, what do you think just right there, you know, because uh, I can't remember. We'll obviously have to go back and look at the, uh, you know, stats and stuff. But, you know, to have Princeton in there besides Cornell uh, being in there, what do you think of that so far that, you know, you had the you have this matchup one versus three? Well, that there's obviously cases where one individual is going to do well enough to where they're able they're going to be able to go in there and despite coming from a school that's not necessarily known for its high-level wrestling, are going to be able to pull off something that they would not normally do, which is, in this case, to get someone in the finals. Now, obviously, one thing to remember is that once upon a time, the Ivy League was known for its athletics because that was essentially all the athletics that was out there was these guys who were in college but that was the turn of the century, and that was at a time when there things were not structured the way they are now. So it was easy for these guys who are going in there and they're in there to get an education. That's what it was at the time. Right. It's not like now where you know the top guys are looking to do their minimum amount of, of schooling and then go into the pros. I know that at one point the, the NBA was poaching guys straight from high school, and then they changed the rule, said, no, these guys need to do some kind of after high school work. Like, I think Kobe was probably one of the last guys who was poached uh, via that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these guys are looking to do how their minimum number of years and see if they can't do that. If not, maybe do, you know, do three or four. But the reality is, yeah, so at a time when, so it's just not that normal to see the Ivy League excel in athletics with the exception of Cornell wrestling nowadays, where like we said a few years ago, they were, they, they were in the fight, they play second in the, the national tournament. Mm-hmm. So, and again, because it's the Ivy League, you need to have the best of grades in order to get into those schools. So, Correct. 
the fact that you had someone else from another Ivy League school in there is impressive in and of itself. Well, and that and that was kind of riding onto that because you had um, Dake, I believe. Dake was from uh, Cornell, I believe. Is that correct? He is from. He is. He was a. Uh, yes, he, he did do Cornell. Yeah, so you know he was he was from Cornell. So and uh, probably I would probably say one of the most famous wrestlers uh, out of that school right now. Uh, but we have some other wrestlers that are on the upcoming, which I'll be talking about uh, shortly. So yeah, so you got um, Seriano versus uh, Glory in the 125 uh, finals. So then, which was which took place yesterday, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, at 133, uh, I don't know if I would really, you know. Uh, make this out to be an upset, but you had DeSanto who was the number five seed, you know, flow wrestling's, uh, you know, bad boy as they were liking, likening him to, you know, something about a need for WD, WWE style promotion or whatever. I'm not really big into that, but you know, especially not in wrestling uh, <laughs> our type of. So that was about saying, but you know, he pulled a win over um, Myers, who from Virginia Tech, who was the number four seed going into the the tournament. With that being said, though, Desant, you know, Desanto has been very competitive all the way through. So, you know, him not being able to to beat, you know, Roman Bravo Young, who was, you know, from Penn State, you know, even at the at the Big Tens. I mean, because they met in the finals. So I I don't know how much I would constitute that being an upset for all I know, it may have been DeSanto should have been the number four seed, but because in the end, um, what ends up happening is, you know, he faces Roman Bravo young in the semis and pretty much the same result that happens at the big tens. Uh, RBY, you know, is just too much the better wrestler uh, going in, you know, going into this tournament, you know, knowing DeSanto, knowing how he wrestles and stuff, knowing what DeSanto has in his arsenal, which is why RBY beats uh, DeSanto by a score of, uh, let me make sure I'm getting into it. Yes, it was a, a 3-2 decision. Pretty much the same thing as, as the Big Ten going in into. So RBY's uh, the first finalist at 133. Then you got Fix, Dayton Fix from Oklahoma State, pretty much going in there. He gets um, he gets uh, paired up with McGee, who is the number three seed from Arizona State. And Fix goes out and he does what he does. And, you know, not, not a, I don't know if I can say a dominant match. I didn't see everything, but five to one margin, you know, victory, especially in a semifinals, I think proves that Fix was the better wrestler going into this. And so you've got, basically you've got a rematch of last year's finals, which was, which also was RBY versus Fix. And uh, RBY ended up winning that one on a, on a takedown. So, I mean, Matthew, when you, when you see this and when you see, you know, the work that these guys are putting in, are you surprised that we would again, have a rematch of last year that it's just number one and number two again. 
I mean, not really. I mean, you know, these guys go in there and they put in the, the effort and it's like at some point they're going to meet again. So that's just how things go. I mean, I remember having to wrestle guys multiple times in the postseason, sometimes within the same tournament. So it's just not that uncommon. If they're, the guys are going to go in there, they're the top of their weight class and they put in the effort and they're the technical guys that they are, then guess what? They're going to, they're going to meet again. So 141, uh, clearly the, the upsets that were happening there. Well, we had one upset. How much of it would it would be, how, how it would be considered an upset. Who knows? But yeah, number six seed, uh, Matthews of, uh, Pitt, uh, over, uh, Sebastian Rivera of uh, Rutgers who was the number three seed that happened in the quarterfinals. Um, but he ended up meeting Nick Lee from, uh, actually, no, I got that wrong. That was the other one. So Matthews was actually, uh, in the semis and he was matched up with the, 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 the rest this year's wrestling version of the Cinderella story. And that was, uh, obviously as we've already been talking about, um, Kizan, Kizan, um, Clark from UNC. And, uh, apparently he had been, uh, I was reading about his, uh, his story and stuff. Apparently he had been an American earlier, but, um, he's at UNC right now and he's actually going to law school. So very well-educated wrestler, uh, just going into this thing, and it looks like he's, you know, having fun. He upset Ironman early on in the tournament, but then then he goes on, he upsets uh, Berglund from Minnesota, the number 10 seed, and then he upsets Matthews, the number 6 seed from Pitt. And so, you know, this is just, uh, and so you have the number 15 seed uh, in the finals against Nick Lee, who is the undisputed number one wrestler at the 141 pound weight class. Now, I mean, Matthew, this, I, I think we always love to see an underdog, you know, um, get as far as they do. And uh, apparently this is the lowest seeded wrestler to make the finals since they started seeding everyone. Cause um, there have been a, you know, before that, I think they had only seeded down to either eight or 16 and I think they had had unseated wrestlers making the finals in the past, but I think, you know, this just goes to show sometimes when you really get hot, you're going to get hot. Don't you think? I mean, yeah, if you, keep, if you just keep going and sometimes it, it takes that postseason run to be able to finally pull it together, but yeah, they, they've, they've started seeding them for a reason to the last man. And obviously, most of the time, those seeds work, but there's cases like this where someone pulls a Cinderella upset and is able to make it into the finals. So, obviously, there's a first time for everything, and this was the case here. So, uh, at 149, you had uh, Yanni uh, Giacomales, uh from Cornell, the number one, I think, undisputed um, wrestler at 149 pounds, uh, making his way into the finals. Um, was there anyone that was upset going into this uh, before him? Not really, although except for the fact that 
you had Andonian, who was from Virginia Tech, uh, able to he had he had actually pulled an upset um, over he had pulled an upset over Milner, who was the number six seed. But then he upset Gomez, the number three seed from Wisconsin, to get into the semis, and he actually beat him by fall with six minutes with thirty seconds left in the match. So that right there, you know, I don't know how the match was going, although. If we're looking into it, so it, it it looks to me like the the score. Andonian was actually winning this match before he got the the fall, uh, because it looks like he was up six to four. Uh, his opponent took down, so he's up six five, and then he scores a takedown, scores near fall, and then he gets the pin. So, you know, clearly he was, you know, dominating his opponent even before he got the fall. And then he upsets. Uh, but the, unfortunately for Andonian, he was beaten by Lovett, uh, who was the number 10 seed. Uh, so you had an 11 and a 10 matchup for the semi. So you were already going to have a double digit matchup. Uh, you were already going to have a double-digit seed for the second weight class in a row making the finals. Uh, and so I think when, when you see stuff like that, it just, uh, you know, it makes for, for a, a really interesting um, matchup, don't you think? Yeah. The, again, this just goes back to, you know, guys fighting it in themselves to be able to go in there and out-wrestle the better seeds. But it, you don't see that in two weight classes in a row. That's that normally doesn't happen. So, so the fact that this is happening is quite impressive. So you got um, Dacomales from Cornet or Cornell, sorry, and then you and then he's going against Lovett from Nebraska, going into the one forty nine files. Um, one fifty seven, you know, not really. I think one. 57, 165, or I'm sorry, 157 first. Uh, how much of an upset you would say it? I don't know. But you've got Glory from, from Princeton, you know, uh, uh, winning over Scott from NC State. And this is where it, it's hurting NC State, the, you know, the fact that they're having one of their guys losing in the, in the um, quarters, uh, you know, to not be able to make the, you know, finals, you know, trying to add, you know, cause they, they want to try and get a top five finish or so. Um, but uh, Quincy Monday from Princeton ended up upsetting Scott from NC state. And, and here's, here's uh, something of a, of a bit of uh, of uh, flashback or throwback is uh, Quincy Monday is the son of uh, Kenny Monday, who was a, national champion at Oklahoma state. So, you know, right there, you've got some generational, you know, you've got some generational things happening here uh, with father and son trying to repeat as national champions. So, and, and Monday had, you know, maybe a bit of a, an easier path than, you know, you, you could almost say he had an easier path to the finals because he was not having to compete against Carr who was upset early on in the tournament. 
but he still did have to go against the number eight seed Lewin from Michigan, and he only won by 3-2. So it was not as easy as it might seem. You know, it was a pretty hard-fought match there. Uh, then he's going to be matched up against Deacon, who's the number two seed from Northwestern. Deacon very much doing his thing. He doesn't seem to be in any danger at any time. The worst result he seems to have had was a 6-2 win, and that was twice on his way to the finals. Uh, he major decision his semis opponent 10-2, and I think Matthew 10-2 in a semifinals match, you know, I, I, you really can't argue that, don't you think? Yeah, that's just not that common to happen where someone dominates a, a semifinals match in that capacity. To 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 get and and you know, there's always it always seems to be really what's really tough is getting that thresh crossing that threshold. You know, I, I almost seem to think that it's easier to win by seven points in college than it is by eight. Just that eighth match, you know, because that right there is going to be bonus points. And uh, I think sometimes I, I've seen where wrestlers will really will, will really fight to keep from getting majored. Well, yeah, because they don't want to give away those points. And it, yeah, that normally just does not happen. So somehow if they're able to stop that from happening, they will do it. But in this case, it, it did not happen. So, yeah, it was impressive that they were able to pull that off. Okay, so at 165 pounds, so this is where things started to get crazy. And it was, uh, you had Evan Wick, who was the number one seed, made it all the way to the, the semifinals. And he was up against Shane Griffith from Stanford. And uh, he, he, in turn, had upset uh, Hamidi from Wisconsin, who was the fourth seed. Griffith is the fifth seed going into this tournament. Now, one thing that, the, that I was hearing the, uh, on the broadcast yesterday, because what ended up happening was Griffith from Stanford ended up upsetting Wick, the number one seed, from Cal Poly by a 7-6 decision. And so he is going to be, you know, he ends up, being in the finals and the significance about Griffith is that he actually won the national championship last year uh, for Stanford, because Matthew, uh, if you remember, Stanford had announced that they were cutting the program due to COVID-19. Well, a lot of people, you know, COVID-19 budget cuts, just just let's let's be clear about that. And um, Griffith. So, when they were, when Stanford was at the national tournament, you know, it's already, it's our, everyone knows that, Hey, the program's going away. So they couldn't even go out and wear singlets with the Stanford logo on there. They were actually, they chose to do that. They, they were doing that in protest. Like if, if you guys are not going to keep us, then we're not going to acknowledge the, yeah, that was, they chose to do that. It was not. It was not something that was instituted on them by the NCAA or the uh, or the. Well, I, re- I remember how uh, because I I did um, uh, I did actually have the opportunity to watch some of the earlier days and uh, the results of what were going on, and I could see that um, there were a lot of wrestlers and teams out there that were really supportive of of Stanford. Ended up being just the, sh- the, the sportsmanship towards 
the wrestlers out there at that tournament last year was just phenomenal, I think. And um, one of the things that, you know, the, the broadcasters were crediting, were crediting, they were crediting Griffith with being one of the driving forces behind saving the program because he goes out there and he wins, you know, a national title for the team. And uh, Matthew, I think if you remember, um, there was, if you remember, we, we, there was another program that, and it, this was, I believe, back in the 80s, or early 90s, there was a program that had a, a wrestler go out, win a national title, and then the next year they cut the program. Just, you know, zip, zilch, shut down, and that was UCLA, which was another, you know, back then, you know, currently Pac-12 team. I thought that was in the... 80s or 70s yes that's why i said 80 why well, i originally say 80s or 90s but yeah it was around that time frame that yes they have a wrestler go out and win a national championship and then they 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 get rid of the program so i don't know if that that i'm very sure that had nothing you know kind of a repeat of history was really not on the stanford athletics minds when that happened but I think, though, that a lot of a lot of people definitely stood up and said that this can't happen. And I think, you know, Griffith going out there and winning the national title, you know, hopefully was one of the driving factors behind convincing Stanford Athletics that they shouldn't be doing that. Well, remember, there was there was a drive from all of the alumni, because remember, Stan, um Stanford wasn't just cutting wrestling. They were cutting, I can't remember all of them, but they had something like, and this is very unusual because Stanford had 33, has 33 athletic programs. They were going to cut 30 of them. They were going to cut a third of their, their athletic programs. So the alumni for all of these programs were like, um, no, you're not going to do this. There were multiple fundraising attempts from wrestling, from I think fencing was one of the things. Yeah, these programs were all going to get cut and all the alumni from all the athletic programs were like, no, we're not going to let this happen. And remember, when you're talking about Stanford, you're not going there to get, you know, some bizarre like sociology degree and just go out and do nothing you're going out there to become like you're going out there to study to become to, to go into business to go into administration you're going to science you're going out in there to study to be a high earning person so that's what these people had become so they raised all this money and then stanford's like uh well, one one and then one one thing I, I can't understand for the university that has the most on record, the most national titles, what is there to gain, especially if, you know, if some of these pro and now I don't know if any of the programs that won the national titles were on the chopping block, but you would think that, you know, the school that is on paper on record, the most successful school in athletics in the NCAA why would you want to do that to your athletics program as a whole 
Well, clearly this was a situation where, you know, all the, those, all these athletes were hurt, uh, the athletes, the alumni and everything like that. And they were able to stop it from happening. So. Yeah. You know, you would wish that, you know, administrations would have been listened to places like, you know, Fullerton, UC Davis, um, Boise state, you know, well, especially like UC Davis, because UC Davis said, Oh, we're going to cut it. No, yeah, no option. No opportunity. Self funding, which is what Fullerton was able to do for a year. They self funded. Unfortunately, they weren't able to keep going. Well, in so my mind, I think what was, what was scummy about the whole thing is that, you know, and, and this is from insider information that I know of is that, the Fullerton athletics kept raising the bar for how much money needed to be raised. And so I think that, yeah, they had gotten at least a year out of raising that money. And I remember how the NCWA, you know, did a, um, did an all-star event, you know, at, uh, you know, Fullerton, you know, for the, for the, you know, and with the intent and purpose of trying to raise money for them. But I, you know, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a, uh, uh, I'm an alumni of Cal State Fullerton. So you know, I was able to follow the situation somewhat, but I think just them rate continually raising the bar and stuff. I think that they had no intent of wanting to keep the program. Well, was it part of the problem that they cut, um, the women's gymnastics who, um, the Iraq laid up the, the men's, why am I done? Dan, what was, what was the coach's name? Hicks, Dan Hicks. I, my understanding was uh, their um, women's gymnastics program was coached by his wife. Yes. Ironically so. enough. So they cut both those programs. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes you just can't understand things the way people an administration will think about things. It is sketchy, though, that they, they kept moving the goalposts like that. I, I, I really don't like it when, when goalposts are moved. It's like, make up your mind. Yeah, either, either you want us or you don't want us. Which, you know, hey, Davis was like, no. Yeah, they didn't um, even give an opportunity for fundraising, which there could have been the opportunity, but what I don't like, yes, is I don't like goalposts being moved. I also don't like when you get a last-minute cut and there's no explanation. So, anyway. Back to moving back to the, the finals. because, But, you know, that's, it's, a very, it's a very important discussion to have, I think. You know, just how, how wrestling programs are affected like this. But... So you've got Griffith who, you know, hey, he's trying to get back into the, into the title race again. He upsets Wick uh, from Cal Poly, and he's going to be up against uh, O'Toole, Keegan O'Toole from Missouri. And remember, Matthew, Missouri uh, claimed the Big 12 title in their first year back in the conference. And, Which they uh, hadn't been able to do while they were in conference. They hadn't even been able to win the, the – uh... Were they in SoCon? Was it? Or they were. They were in the MAC. As yeah, far they weren't as... even able to do that in the MAC, and the MAC was a very. Um, the MAC is a mid-tier. MAC is a mid-tier conference. The the competition level is low. 
So, but you got this kid, Keegan O'Toole, freshman, okay, comes into the tournament, and Matthew, he's 25 and 0. And, um, and uh, I, I checked the stats and all and stuff. So, and it doesn't come as a surprise that he makes the final. So, he's up against Griffith from Stanford. Uh, but Keegan O'Toole does not allow a single point in his four matches up to uh, the finals. So when we discuss about the finals, we'll have to see what happens there. But you got a freshman undefeated going into the, the uh, makes his way into the finals at 165. Now at 174, uh, so who do we have getting into the finals here? Um, with, uh, you know, just kind of see some upsets going on. And really, there's no upsets that happen. The top four seeds, like at 125, make the finals. And it really comes down to Starachi, who is from, you know, Penn State, makes the finals. Number one seed. Not a big surprise there. And Mekai Lewis from Virginia Tech, who is also, uh, you know, Number two seed. He actually pins Massa from Michigan. So there you go, right there again. Michigan getting some uh, some dreams dashed there. Uh, you know, I think Michigan might have been able to to do something. Hey, if they had, if uh, Massa had pulled an upset, at least that would pull them pull them closer. Not necessary. I don't know if it would be deemed within striking distance, but hey, that would put some on their side. Lewis gets the pin uh, with forty one seconds left. So. Right here, you've got you've got two you got two champions, two champions. Because uh, Lewis had had won, and then Starachi had also won a national title. So, you know, another one-two matchup. You know, so anything can happen here. It can go either way, don't you think? With a one-two matchup, plus they both have experience with winning the national title. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, definitely the uh, case because you've got yeah you because you got two national champions and they're going in there they're the top seeds realistically anything could happen. So uh, one eighty four we have another uh, rematch of the Big Tens um, going into the finals, which is Miles Amin from. Michigan uh, ranked the number one seed over Brooks from Penn State, who's the number two seed. And Matthew, I think this is this is just down, you know, this will get down to who who is more hungry. And I mean, you know, he did his thing at the he upset Brooks at the Big Ten, which is why he was the number one seed. Um, but one interesting thing I read about was how Amin actually represented the country of San Marino at the Tokyo Olympics, and he ended up getting a third place medal for that. Well, as you mentioned before, you know we had just you you're from SAC. You had Jesse Ruiz representing Mexico, so if it's the easier path, because the the U.S. even though they're not known for their international top wrestling, like I don't know if they've ever won the world championship. I mean, I mean, have they at all? They might, they might have won it. They're, Maybe a they're, couple times. That'll be something that's that's definitely on our agenda for uh, looking up and checking. They're known for good championships, but they're not known individual champions. But they're not known for strong teams. I 
I do think they've actually pulled it off once or twice. But yeah, consistently they're not known for, but it's still, you know, considering we have the third highest populous nation in the world, it's still pretty difficult to actually get to the point where you're, where you're representing. So, I mean, had an easier choice and he did it. San Marino's not known for A, the wrestling, B, their, their particularly difficult qualifying events. So if that's what he chose to do, he chose to do and it benefited him. Yeah, I would say. Um, so yeah, interesting to see what happens in that matchup. 197. So Matthew, I think, you know, but I think the writing... The writing's been on the wall at this point, what's happening, uh, because uh, although here, Max Dean, who was um, uh, apparently he was originally at another school. Um, I'd have to look it up again. But Max Dean transferred out of, oh, that's right. He was, he was, in, he was at an Ivy League school. Um, let me make sure. Okay, so he, he was actually, Max Dean was actually at Cornell. And uh, Matthew, I'm sure you're aware, um, the Ivy League actually canceled their season. Uh, so they, they actually did not compete, um, you know, last season. Uh, and then the 2021 National Championships. So, you know, I think for him, you know, he decided that he really wanted to, to wrestle and stuff and, and continue improving himself. So he decides to transfer to Penn State. And, you know, I think obviously when you get people that decide that they want to transfer, I'm sure there's a lot of mixed emotions around that, you know, because you've got the people you were with versus the, you know, where you're going. You never know how people are feeling about you leaving and then, you know, people coming in. Is he going to, are you going to, turn out in a good way. Uh, but Dean makes for the fifth uh, finalist for Penn State. So very sure that this is, you know, indicating how the team standings are doing, which I will get to momentarily. But it's kind of hard to lose when you have five finalists uh, getting in there, don't you think? Yeah, it's when half of your team is in the finals, it yeah, it's kind of difficult to somehow flub that. I mean, we talked the, the last week about how um what's it called in the D3 what managed to somehow lose their what? 3? Oh, yeah, um Wartburg where they had six semifinalists and and five of them lost. No, I was talking about the other two. Was it St. Cloud that, like, almost upset them? Well, D3, that was the Wartburg school. D2 was, um, that was the fight between Kearney and St. Cloud. Whatever, whoever made second, they had more finalists than Wartburg. I remember that, so. Oh, yeah, I'd have to. It was one of those things where Wartburg. Uh, Wabash, Wabash University. Yeah, Wabash flubbed it up completely. They just had to win one match and somehow managed to lose the championship. So it's, and knowing Kale, I mean, I don't remember the last time he was within striking distance and lost. He, he, 
since he's been going on this this trail of dominance, he just doesn't do that. Yeah, you're meaning he's leading, you know, after day two. And and uh, even if most times when I've seen that there was a chance that you know somebody might catch him, it had to be things had to go completely wrong for Penn State, and then things would have to go completely right for the other team in order for that to happen. And yes, you're right. When Kale is ahead, he does not. He does. You know his wrestlers do not. Um, Jump. Right. So Max Dean, he's the one ninety. He's one. He's the first one ninety seven semifinalist. And then you got Warner from Iowa, uh, who upsets first. He upsets Nebraska uh, Schultz from Nebraska, the number three seed in the quarters. Then he upsets Buchanan from Wyoming in the semifinals, who was the number two seed. Uh, you know him coming out of the winning the Big Twelves and such. So. Warner is able to, you know, at, for the tournament that Iowa was having where it was clear that they were not going to defend their championship from last year, Warner was at least able to give Iowa a finalist and keep a streak going that's been happening since the 90s. Um, so do you think that that was at least an important thing for Iowa to at least keep that going, even though, you know, they, they had pretty much lost uh, the tournament at this well, point. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, – it was definitely important, and it was, like, good for morale because they were saying, well, at least we're – at least we're keeping up a tradition. They've always had at least finalists. Not all, not There were some years where they didn't necessarily have national champions, and they've been – since the 90s, since the Gable era ended, they've been on this up-and-down path because you had Zaleski who was able to go out of the gate with – essentially Gable's people and then he went down and he got fired then you had brands come in he got some he lost some and then recently he got at least another one I mean the likelihood is he would have ta- he would have won 2020 if it hadn't been for yes the pandemic. he would have definitely won 2020 yeah so obviously uh, it's important for them to keep up this tradition and like you know I I, I said last i mentioned last week how you know the differences of coaching and skills between gable and not gable and brand um between um brands and zaleski no brands and um and kale Mm -hmm. but so yeah it was uh but yeah it's important and it's just their way of saying you know we're, we're still in the wings we're it's like we may not have won this one but we're still within striking distance in the future. That's it. And keeping that streak up is, is important to them. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically you're going to have Dean uh, versus Warner uh, in the finals for 197. And then you've got, uh, you know, and it was good that Warner made the finals because uh, at heavyweight, you had Wood from Lehigh upset Cassiope from Iowa. So if Warner hadn't won, then, you know, that means that that tradition wouldn't be alive. We wouldn't be speaking about the, we'd be speaking about the tradition a lot more differently. But in the end, uh, it did not matter because Wood ended up losing to the number two seed, Colton Schultz, 
uh, from ASU. So, you know, another another wrestler representing the Pac-12, uh, especially when it comes to ASU, because they are the only uh, current school outside of the Big Ten and the Big 12, I believe, to have won a national title. So, and then, of course, you know, he is up against uh, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, some might call him Gable Stevenson, who has gone out. He went to Tokyo. He won a Olympic gold medal on a last second takedown. So, you know, you've got two, these are two, these are two monsters. Colton's a freshman, you know, versus Stevenson, who's, you know, getting ready to finish his career at Minnesota. He's got a, you know, so he's got a national title there. He's got a gold medal, you know, uh, you know, offer from the WWE. So everyone's speculating that, you know, when he wins this, is he going to actually retire? Uh, you know, I think so. You've got a monster matchup, Matthew. What do you think about this monster matchup? Well, heavyweight has kind of always been looked at in this certain way, even if there's kind of been years where it's not as impressive. But yeah, it was, but especially this year when you've got a returning Olympic gold medalist. Typically, if someone's winning Olympic gold medal, they're not going to college. That's a really recent phenomenon where you have these guys going out and winning Olympic gold medals, uh, just, just medals in general, and then coming back and, and wrestling. Well, especially because, you know, if you go out and win a gold medal, even with eligibility left in the NCAA, there's really nothing more to prove, don't you think? Yeah, at that point, you think that I would just say, okay, because you're at the peak of the sport and the Olympics. It's like, well, what are you going back here for? But somehow, somehow Snyder came back. He decided to do it. He ended up being a three-time national champion. You got Gable right here. He's coming out. He won the uh, the NCAA tournament. He then went out to Tokyo, won the gold medal. And now he's coming out here trying to pick up that second uh, NCAA title. So with that being said, Matthew, our top five standings after day two. Penn State, 108 points. Six All-Americans, five finalists. Michigan, 84 and a half points. Six All-Americans, but only two in the finals. Arizona State, 63 points. Five All-Americans, one finalist. Iowa, 62 points. Five All-Americans, one finalist. And your fifth place team, replacing NC State, Nebraska. Five All-Americans, one in the finals. So, with that being said, I mean, it pretty much looks like, especially with Penn State having five in the finals that they pretty much wrapped this up by day two. I mean, it was really down to Michigan and Iowa maybe pulling some upsets, but in the end, you know, you've got these just Penn State being what they need to do. If they make the semis, they're pretty much going to be able to, you know, they, they know how to work in the semis, don't you think? Yeah, and this is just this has been something that they've done consistently since the Kale era. If they if they make it to the semis, most likely they're getting into the finals. There's been rarely situations where someone goes to the semis and doesn't make it into the finals. And again, you have one of these dominant years. This this, this has not been unheard of. When Kale has won, they've won dominantly. So you know, pretty much. 
I don't know how there would be anything where they could, you know, Michigan could somehow, you know, pull off an upset, especially when you're down, you know, especially when you're down, what is this, 23 and a half points. And then, but the other team still has a chance to pick up an extra 20 some odd points going into the, you know, just with the finals alone. Because I think traditionally, if you win the finals by decision, that's 14 points right there. So kind of hard for Michigan to catch up at that point. It pretty much comes down to then who, who's going to take third if it's ASU or Iowa or Nebraska somehow, you know, pulling it off too. So with that being said, Matthew, uh, let's get into the, the, the finals uh how the finals went uh i pretty much i was able to watch it and kept you guys updated on that so you know let's go into it pretty much um so you had suriano over glory uh winning by five to three and it was pretty much suriano knew what he was doing uh you know he gets his takedown early uh make sure that he can ride um glory so you know able to do his riding time although uh, a couple of times, you know, uh, I, I could see that Suriano was pretty jumpy. Uh, he did get called for caution a few times, uh, you know, and uh, there were a few. And I also saw how uh, he would, especially when it came to the last period, because I believe that he was the one who had choice going into the last period. Uh, he seemed to try to ride it out or more he was taking down and then just not trying to get up from bottom. And, you know, I, I guess you, if you feel like you can do that, I mean, you know, if you want to try and do that, just try and ride it out. That's fine. I'm not a huge fan of trying to ride out, uh, you know, if you're ahead and then just trying to not do anything on bottom and end up getting stall calls. Um, but in the end, he did get an escape with uh, less than 30 seconds left. Uh, so he would go on to win the match five to three. But Matthew, and so he he did have uh, this is his second title. I believe, though, that this is the the end of, of his uh, collegiate career. Um, but Matthew, from what you've seen of Suriano, do you think that uh, maybe he might go on to try for uh, the U.S. Open, maybe try for the Olympics, or do you think there's maybe other paths for Suriano, you know, maybe even an MMA? Um, I would expect him to maybe make a run at the uh, for the uh, for the Olympics. Uh, we and of course, ha- the Olympics haven't uh, only taken place last year because of the pandemic. Um, he would have a shorter run. I would expect him to do that. Maybe try MMA afterwards, but it also depends on uh, what his major was. I don't know what his major was. He might have a job lined up to where he could just go in and possibly make more money than he could as an MMA fighter because, as we know, only the top echelon of MMA fighters are making millions of dollars. That's when you're UFC champion or you're at least a headliner and you're able to hype yourself up as this big guy and you're making, you're winning consistently and making millions of dollars. You're a contender. Mm-hmm. That's a small minority. 
so if he's the type of guy who has a job lined up, then you would expect probably he would probably try wrestling. I wouldn't uh, uh, higher up, but I wouldn't expect him to be doing something like uh, MMA if uh, if he has something better lined up. It because it, it would just it's just better for your overall health because you got like injuries and then you got the CTE issues and stuff like that. So it, it's it would it just depends. He might not have something lined up. He might want to try MMA, but. So I am trying to look up his. Um, uh, I am trying to look up his. Uh, I am on his bio right now at Michigan. Um, doesn't really say what his um, major is, but he did graduate from Rutgers in 2021. Um, and I guess, um, but. So and, that means uh, that he wrestled as a graduate. Right. It probably means he wrestled as a graduate, but he took advantage of, you know, the extra extra year year eligibility that was granted by the NCAA, which I have no problem with either. I mean, hey, if you have a chance to go out there and go for it, I'd say go for it, you know. So he so this could mean that he is, uh, you know, doing graduate. Again, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, again, yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to tell. You know, if uh, especially if this indication is such that he is, you know, um, in graduate school right now, you know, so he, he probably may end up doing, you know, finishing up his degree. So he could be, you know, again, he could try and go out and wrestle for the Olympics. And then, yeah, you're right. He could be trying to, to move into some kind of business thing going forward. Well, like, I'm just going to throw an example out there in terms of, like, making top money. So, Cole Conrad went out there, went, won the NCAAs a few times. I can't remember if he ever made it to the Worlds, the Olympics, or anything like that. But he went to early Bellator, won the championship. and But then all of a sudden, he gets this opportunity to uh, go into farm business, not the, the selling part, not, not the actual farming part, and make money and he just chose in his i think like to walk away from the sport yeah yeah so you got the opportunity to go for it i mean you don't like you know there's you don't have to go through and endanger yourself in your body if if you don't have to so so 133 rby roman bravo young of penn state number one versus dayton fix number two from oklahoma state and uh, RBY was one who also, uh, you know, drew first blood early, getting the takedown over uh, Fix. Uh, Fix did get a, a, an escape, but so apparently this had already taken a, a different turn based on how their uh, match was going last year, uh, where you had a scoreless first period, but in this case, uh, you already had a, a 2-1 score by the end of the first. And then it pretty much turned into, you know, um, both wrestlers getting escapes as necessary. And then uh, RBY just just able to play the game, taking shots where necessary, drawing the officials off of him in order to not get stall calls, which, you know, it, it seemed to me that John Smith and a lot of people were hoping for stall calls. I mean, you could kind of hear it in, in uh, DC. D's voice because he was uh you know he was providing commentary during the, the broadcast 
but Did in the end, say anything about his because uh, obviously uh, I wasn't able to see it. Did he ever say anything about his his match with Kale? So uh, I don't know that he had much to say about his match with Kale. Although you know you could tell that he was very supportive of uh, Oklahoma State guys. Um, you know, without you know that goes without saying. But, you know, in the end, you know, RBY, the better wrestler, uh, prevails, wins the rematch from last year's finals. And, uh, you know, kind of a tough break for, for Fix because, you know, I'm, I was reading and, uh, you know, he ended up losing to Suriano in their matchup. Uh, you know, doesn't get to wrestle at 2020, loses to RBY last year and loses to RBY again. And, uh, you know, that's got to be tough when you, you make the finals and uh, not able to win it, don't you think? Yeah, well, it just, it happens. and It's just one of those things that. Well, that's, and, um, you know. Although it, it does look like, because uh, I am looking up Fix right now, he has a redshirt junior, so he does have one more shot at it. be interesting to see how he can do. Will he finally get it? Because, Matthew, if you remember, Varner, Jake Varner from Bakersfield, he made the finals two years in a row. Actually, he was a four-time finalist. He didn't win his first two years, but he did end up winning, you know, the last two years. Um, He was – he he – he wrestled from Bakersfield in high school, but he wrestled in Iowa State. Yes, that's right. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, the fact that he made it as a freshman, as a true freshman, as I recall, was impressive enough. Mm-hmm. But as I remember, he was he was on this like domination streak, um, like his last few years at wrestling. Like I remember watching at five counties, he pinned the guy. And then that's what he did in when he was in state. He just went through pin, 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 pin right. on this he pin. State, yeah, he did a lot of that too. Just monster wrestler. But, you know, when he got to Iowa State, first two years, he made the finals, but couldn't pull it off. But it worked out for him in his junior and senior years. So we'll have to see if, uh, you know, fix, because uh, this is it for RBY. He's, he's out. He's done. You know, he's moving. He's uh, going to be moving on to, bigger and better things. We'll see if he makes a run for the Olympics or something else, but fix, he's still got a year to go. We'll have to see, you know, will he finally get that championship that's been eluding him now for three, three plus years, technically, but you know, I, it, it'd be interesting. So at 141, um, and this is where, and really actually I'm going to kind of throw it in here for, 141 and 149 because you had Lee from Penn State, number one seed against number 15 seed Clark from UNC. Uh, then you had uh, at 149s um, Jocko Mollis from Cornell versus number 10 Lavette from Nebraska. And I think this was where it really showed who was the better wrestlers because uh, both Lee and Jocko Mollis um, both defeated their wrestlers by more than six points and uh lee actually would have had a major if he had not um you know let clark out in the last two seconds of the match but still he won by 10-3 um actually what was surprising was clark actually scored 
a takedown in the opening seconds of the match. And so he's up, but Lee gets out. And I think then, you know, this was obviously Lee got caught off guard uh, by that first takedown. And so then Lee, I think, made necessary adjustments. And then he just wrestled at his own pace. Clark just could not get out from bottom once Lee was riding him. Lee actually, you know, trying to get, um, trying to get turns in a couple of times, but Clark, you know, would fight, but it just was the, the clear dominance I think showed, uh, in this case. And the same thing for, you know, uh, uh, Mollis from Cornell, you know, just doing what he does and, uh, just Lavette had no opportunity. So, you know, these guys were able to, make it to the finals. But I think Matt, when, when you're, when you're the number one guy against, especially when it's someone that, that was able to fight their way through tooth and nail, but just, you know, there, there is a bit of a a difference in level. You think that keeping a clear head is what makes these guys number one. Yeah. You've got to go in there and, and be able to have a clear mind and know exactly what you're going to do. And that's how, you're able to pull it off and become a national champion. And, and um, then you had uh, at 157, you had Deacon from Northwestern against Quincy Monday from uh, Princeton. And uh, the match was actually pretty close. Uh, I do believe if I were to look at um, it, it, the, the score, I believe was two, two going into the, uh, yes, it was 2-2 going into the third period. But so in the first period, Quincy Monday was the one who scored a uh, takedown. And so he's up 2-1 uh, by the end of the first period. And then you had uh, Deacon. He took bottom, uh, but he ended up getting ridden for the entire period. Um, so Quincy Monday has an advantage going into the, uh, third period because he's up by writing time. Uh, and then, um, you know, he's up, so he's up two one and he's also got riding time. So that basically gives him a three, one advantage. Uh, but what ended up happening here, uh, was that it appears that, do I have this right? I need to make sure I have this. Uh, right. Yes. So I think, oh, I know what happened now. Uh, I think Quincy was hurt. Uh, is that right? I'm not sure how to read this on, on track. Oh, sorry. My bad. Um, sorry. That's not what happened. I have it wrong. Deacon took bottom in the second period and he got out with about five seconds into the period. So it's actually two, two at that point. And then Quincy was hit with a stall call. So he didn't get rid of. So it is two, two Quincy. Then in the third period decides to take neutral on choice. And what ends up happening was there was a scramble that was going on. And then it looked like, uh, you know, so they're in a scramble and they both got each other's legs, but 
and then this is where the the match was decided was Quincy ends up getting himself uh, on bottom, even though there's no takedown yet. He's on his back. And um, I don't know if you're aware, Matthew, but if you're on your back for an extended period, even if there's no control in collegiate wrestling, uh, then there's the danger rule. And so the ref has to count the danger. He counts to five. And if you haven't gotten off your back after danger, after the five count uh, for danger, then he's going to give control to the other wrestler. Is that a recent rule? Uh, Yes, that rule has been applied probably within the last four to five years. And I'm guessing that kind of, it it sounds like that kind of reflects freestyle wrestling. Uh, Yeah, you could almost. Where control is a lot more, it's a lot more liberal. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, I think, you know, now I'm not sure how or why that was applied, but uh, I think it just has to do with the fact that, you know, people would be sticking on their, you know, staying on their backs, not having any, uh, you know, not having to seed control. So I think, I think to encourage people to, you know, even if they're not seeding control, but they're not getting off their backs, I think they're just trying to stay there so that they can hope to get a, 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 what do you call that? A stalemate. So I think that they're they're they came up with this danger rule to encourage people to just not stay there and to actually move. So it's essentially it's a, it was essentially a way to prevent stalling. Yes, actually, that is a, probably a good way of, of looking at that because the NCAA has had to come up with ways of encouraging people to wrestle because you're going to see these close matches, you know, and same thing in high school. They've told us like, you know, like, you know if, uh, if our audiences don't remember, I do officiate, um, you know, within, within the state of uh, California and uh, you know, they want us to call stalling more, especially when wrestlers aren't wrestling when there's no action or people, one of the common things that you'll see uh, with with wrestlers who really know how to play the edge or something is they they'll they'll kind of back themselves up to the edge and then they'll take their shots or they'll do some kind of pivot or something to make the other you know make the action go out so that's why they tell us if you're if you're actually seeing that a wrestler is playing the edge you know hit them for a stall call anyway going back to this danger situation so what that meant was, hey, the ref got to his five count. He gives uh, Deacon two for the he gives Deacon two for the takedown, and I think Monday didn't know that he was now he had now seated control and he was now on his back. And what ended up happening was, you know, the ref got to a four count, and you know, four count in college means four points. Um, so then now. Deacon is up. <laughs> He's just scored six points on Quincy Monday, and also riding time is is going. And Monday could not get out after that uh, because then the situation ended up with uh, he did get off his back, but he let Deacon get around him, and Deacon pretty much rode him the rest of the match. 
plus riding time. So that's why this score ended up being 9-2. So kind of going back to the conversation we were having, Matthew, when, when you allow yourself in that situation, it's really tough to come back from, right? Yeah, at that point, it's it, you've given away points that you were not expecting to, and then all of a sudden it's just like, uh-oh, I'm... When you're that, yeah, when you're that far deep, it's kind of hard to come back from it. So that's how that, that happened. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. And uh, I'm not, uh, you know, but Mon- Monday, I'm sure he's a, he's a very good wrestler. Um, interesting. To, we'll have to see if he's going to be coming back. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll check that at another uh, date and time, but uh, congrats Deacon for the win there. So uh, I want to go to 165s, which was Griffith from Stanford versus O'Toole of Missouri. And O'Toole, the undefeated wrestler uh, coming into this tournament as a freshman. And uh, he hadn't given up any points this entire tournament. Well, that changed because Griffith got a takedown with about a, uh, a minute 14 into the match. So those are the first points. Uh, I'm, I'm not even talking about escape points. This was the first points given up by O'Toole in this entire tournament. So finals can really change how change the pace of things. Right, Matthew? Yeah, that, that's definitely the case, especially when you've got something like, uh, like that going on. Um, but uh, O'Toole was able to get an escape. Uh, so the match, uh, the, sorry, not the match, the period ends two one. Now Keegan, uh, he does go on bottom, uh, trying to see what he can, he can do. And, uh, so then we see that, uh, he gets an escape, uh, with about 17 seconds, uh, off the clock. Uh, so it's two, two, but then Griffith strikes again, getting another takedown, uh, about 22 seconds later. So that means Griffiths is up 4-2, but he ends up giving up a reversal to Keegan, which ties the matchup 4-4, and he would get ridden out for the remainder of that period. Now here's where it gets interesting because now we're going to go into the third period, and it it almost seems to me that Griffiths might have gotten cold feet because he decides to take neutral. So possibly, do you think that he's not confident that he can ride O'Toole? Um, but that could be another point where if you if he um, if you take bottom because this was Griffith's choice, if he takes bottom, he probably thought that he might have he could get ridden out for the entire period. Do you think that may have been what his why he chose neutral? Yeah, that was probably the way that his mindset was going at that point. And um, he, like you said, he, he had cold feet and he decided to go with it. Which ended up being, uh, you know, his downfall because with a minute 13 left in the match, it's O'Toole that gets the takedown. And he ends up riding Griffith for uh, – little short of 30 seconds, which means that with 34 seconds left, uh, Griffith gets the escape, but now he's down six, five. 
So, you know, then it's like, so he has to really be active in trying to get that, that takedown to win the match. But in the end, O'Toole prevailed. And so O'Toole ends up winning the match six to five, becoming a freshman winner and currently undefeated in his collegiate career. What's your opinion on that? So, far? Well, we're just going to have to see if he can match up with Kale because uh, while there have been four other, uh, where, while there have been four other uh, under, uh, four-time NCAA uh, D1 champions, only oh, one of them went undefeated across all. Yeah, players. there's been four, four men have gone undefeated. Yeah, or, only or one not. of those. Only one of them went undefeated across their right four 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 time champions, and one only one of them is undefeated. And that just so happens to be the head coach of Penn State right now. Yeah. So it's possible. Um, could he become only the second to go undefeated? We'll just have to wait and see. He needs to keep it up, and he always needs to keep in mind there might be someone else who might give him a run for his money. Because Kale, for all those four years, one thing to remember, he redshirted his freshman year, so he had time to develop. But then on top of that, he had a few close matches. History could have gone very different. Yep. All right. So let's uh, let's try and move this along because I know that we'll be running short of time here. Uh, 174. Um, actually, this ended up turning out to be a very exciting match. Um, it went both ways. You had Starachi from Penn State, uh, Lewis from Virginia Tech. Uh, this thing ended up going where uh, they both uh, they were both uh, on top of each other uh, the entire time, and it, it did end up going to overtime and. Uh, at, at the end, it was the, – the match was 4-4 going into overtime. Obviously, no sun victory. So then you had to go into tiebreaker. And uh, they've kind of redone the rules, Matthew. I, I, I don't know if you're aware about um, tiebreaker now uh, in collegiate where it pretty much comes down to the, you know, the 30-30. It's who's going to have the most riding time at the end of the, of, of that first tiebreaker. So uh, in this case, um, Starachi. Oh, they do one thirty thirty. Right. They do one thirty thirty, And then based on writing time, you know, that determines if you win or not. Now let's say that. Yeah. They Cause put, I know at one point they did like, I don't know how many. It would basically. OCD. Yeah. It used to go to whoever it was. It was whoever scored, whoever was ahead, um, at the end of. So you would have you would do sudden victory, then you do a thirty thirty. If no one was ahead at that point, then you do another sudden victory, and then thirty thirty if necessary. So I remember there was a there was a um, when Santa Ana won the the state tournament. Uh, it, it, for community college back in 2005 uh you know the the michael o'hara who ended up winning he went to a four overtime basically 
And uh, that's how he, you know, so he, he went through that routine four times, Sun Victory and then 30-30. Did I mention that when I went out there, I said hi to him once when he was still on Lindenwood? Yeah. And what did he say to you? He, he acknowledged me. I mean, well, oh. you know, we weren't close. I knew him because of you. Yeah. Well, good for him. I hear he's still out there somewhere in Missouri. Who knows where, but it'd be great to meet up with him again at someday. Well, I think he's stuck there. I don't know if he necessarily like got the opportunity because to wrestle on the um I don't know what opportunities he got. I just uh, besides I think it would have, by the time I got out there, he was probably towards the end of his eligibility yeah. anyway. That might have been his last season. I don't remember. In fact, I don't remember seeing him after that first year. So, so, maybe, so maybe he'd used up all his, his eligibility by that point. So here, here, here's here's one thing. So Starachi got out after seven seconds. So, and then what ended up happening was in the in the next thirty, where it's Lewis's turn, he couldn't get out until there was six seconds left in the period. So. When you have to consider that differential, so Starachi was only written for seven seconds, and then Lewis was written for 24 seconds, so there's your difference, basically. So Starachi wins. So Starachi wins based on that differential. So that's how uh, Starachi got the title. So at this point, Matthew, that means that it's four for four for Penn State. Well, what? Just going back to overtime, like um, I I can't remember. I think in high school rules when I first got out here, they only did two OTs. So what happened was you had the minute of sun victory, and then you had thirty seconds where it was either you get out or you don't. And whoever, if the person got out, that was that was the so so um, yeah. And I remember because um, I. Think, I don't think I was ever caught in any of those. The, 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 um, so here's the thing the rules have not changed as far as that situation goes. It's still a minute, and then you still do a 30, you still do two 30 second tiebreakers to see if someone can get out or not. And then you have an ultimate tiebreaker. And so, and then, and the ultimate tiebreaker is either whoever chooses down and the choice. The, the choice in the ultimate tiebreaker goes to the person who scored first in the match. So what ends up happening there is if that person goes down, they have to get out. If they get written out, the other guy wins. So that that's how it is now, because that's not how I remember it back when I was, of course, as we've talked about rules have changed probably hundreds of times uh, as far as i know the rules haven't changed because i i remember i think it was a league match because i remember because stewart got really excited when the third he knew he knew that whoever whoever your teammate was that was involved in a in a in the ultimate tie because the ultimate tiebreaker it happened then too i remember seeing it because stewart always got excited about stuff <laughs> Because your teammate did have choice for the ultimate tiebreaker and he ended up winning the match because he got out. So, you know, yeah. Stuart was like, yeah, we're going down. We're going down. <laughs> so, 
anyway, so that could have been anybody. Yeah. So now Penn State's got four of four winners uh, in the finals, and then you get into the. Um, I'm sorry, that's three of three. Was it three of three? Sorry, it was three of three. So then you had Brooks versus Amin. So Big Ten, uh, you know, rematch, like we said. But Brooks, I think, learned from him his losing at the Big Tens because he pretty much, you know, dominated. The, the The score was, final score was five to three. But just looking at what I saw, Brooks was the more dominant wrestler. He was able to ride Amin more and uh, just could not let uh, Amin really get an offensive going. So, you know, so that in, in that sense, then you got Brooks uh, being the winner at 184. And uh, this is where we make it four of four for, for individual titles for Penn State. And so they've got one more to go. So what, what's going to happen there? Well, so this was a really close match. I will, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was Dean who, you know, had transferred out from Cornell. Uh, he did win the match 3-2 over Warner from uh, Iowa. And, um, you know, this and this came down to, so here, here's the breakdown of that match, Matthew. Um, it was 0-0 after the first period. Uh, Warner picked bottom, and so he's up 1-0 after only 15 seconds down. Um, and then it pretty much was just another, you know, after that it was scoreless. So you got another close match where, hey, it's uh, it's 1-0 going into the third period. Now, Dean takes, Dean does take down, and he gets out. He's only ridden for 18 seconds, so you got a 1-1 matchup here. A, a, a classic setup for, you know, an NCAA finals, basically. And, you know, they're kind of filling each other out. But uh, right here, 34 seconds remaining in the match. And Dean is able to get the takedown. And it's eight seconds, eight seconds in the, in the match remaining where Warner gets his escape. But by that point, it's just too late because you can't make Dean, you know, stall out with seven seconds to go. And so Dean was able to hold his own. And, uh, you know, I, it just when it, it's really this is where it gets really competitive. Right. The last two minutes of the match and and, you know. It, it, it can go either way when it's a takedown with 30 seconds left. Right. Yeah, if you if you got two guys who are that competitive and it's just you know to the point where it's tied, then they're they're gonna they're gonna try to find those opportunities. And the one who's just gonna who's just gonna find the the opportunity to get the takedown is the one that's gonna win it. So so basically that gives Penn State five for five. And Matthew, I mean, we, at this point, we don't even have to go into the team scores. I think it's safe to say that Penn State has won the title. Now, we'll go over the team scores later, but it's hard it to... the title like three matches ago or something <laughs> like that. So, the last match of the season. Gable Stevenson versus Colton Schultz. And, uh, Matthew, this was pretty much... It was pretty much Stevenson. 
Um, you know, he had, although interestingly enough, he had not given up a point in the tournament or he had not given up a takedown in the tournament until the semifinals. Uh, but he was determined not to give up a takedown here because he, uh, within, within first six seconds of the match, he gets the takedown. Um, he rides, uh, Colton for about 37 seconds before letting him up. Uh, but then he does get another takedown and pretty much rides him out for the end of the period. So that's a four, one advantage for him. Plus a minute, 10 of riding time going into the second period. And uh, so then he gets an escape with, you know, after four seconds in the second period. And, uh, you know, pretty much from there, he's up 5-1, you know. And uh, I think at that point, you just have to be careful not to make any stupid moves, right? Going into the third period, up 5-1. Yeah, at that point, you just have to not get pinned. And uh, Colton did get an escape early uh, after seven seconds, but... Uh, you know, from there, it's just uh, not much you can do uh, at that point. And uh, Stevenson was able to hold him off, uh, you know, hold off the freshman. And uh, so this is this is the end right here for Stevenson. Uh, wins his second title, 6-2. And uh, that's pretty much it. And uh, Matthew, I don't know if you saw, but uh, it looks like he made good on his uh, – you know, his intentions to the fans. Uh, he went out, wrestled, goes 5-0. and oh. And uh, at the end there, after his interview, uh, he did go to the center mat, gave him a nice backflip, and removed the shoes to leave them in the center of the mat. Yeah, which for those who don't know, that's, I think it's primarily an American wrestling tradition. I really haven't heard of too many... Um, international ones but yeah that's the tradition of you remove your shoes and you put them in the map you are done with the sport yeah and that symbolizes that you're leaving the shoes to be filled by the next generation essentially yeah i'm gonna be honest uh and i don't blame coach jackson for not allowing me to do that because it was um you know it's his call to send whoever was but one of the reasons why I personally wanted to go to regionals my senior year, I wanted to do that. Uh, if, if he'd done, if he'd allowed me the opportunity, my plan was to go out there and after the last match, don't care what it was. Probably if, if I'd gotten the opportunity, I probably would have, you know, knowing the competition level at most, I would have gotten one win. I would have got most likely would have gotten two and out. This would have been in the consolation. But my plan was that if I'd gotten the opportunity, I would have taken my shoes off and put them right there. I didn't get that opportunity, which incidentally, I don't, you know, um, don't know if I mentioned this, but I've thought about maybe giving another run in wrestling. Same here. I so, think, you know, in a ways, in a ways, you know, I think if you really haven't, gone out on top if you feel like there's stuff that you know there's still left to prove even if even if it's been years gone by you kind of feel that hey you want to give it another shot uh you know and so that's i think it's a good thing to have that that competitive nature still in there yeah well we'll just have to 
Yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. So, Matthew, to kind of cap off the, um, to kind of cap it off. So again, I am I am going to say this one thing about Gable Stevenson. Um, you know, uh, if we know we casually followed pro wrestling, we know that he's it's you know um, like the most recent example uh, like. Uh, Kurt Angle was probably the best example of an Olympic gold medalist getting a fast track into pro wrestling. I don't know how much time how much time he did in developmental before he got thrust into the, the, the WWE and is going in there and win championships. And obviously, it's obviously it's it's choreographed, it's scripted, but you know he he went in there and obviously made it look competitive. Then Brock Lesnar comes in. Then Bobby Lashley comes in, and they come and go. They try their hands at MMA. Then first Brock comes back. Then Bobby Lashley comes back. Then Kurt Angle comes back. So I and even Rulon Gardner had the opportunity. He chose not to ultimately, but you know he said he was offered the opportunity right after he beat Corellin. So he's. And I wonder if maybe that's one of the reasons why he decided to come back was to make him more marketable. But either way, obviously, if WWE said they're going to sign him, he's, you know, he's probably headed down to Florida to their training center to put him through NXT and then, which is their developmental uh, promotion. And then we're going to see him. Uh, well, uh, I, the question is, are they going to know what to do with him? Because unfortunately, I don't... Um, the recent uh, trend with WWE is they don't necessarily know what to do with with uh, good people with potential, but that's just they, they just cannot the they just can't they can't find a way to re, the they can't find a way to bring in the next big star that can headline them like the days of the the Attitude Era because you and I grew up in the Attitude Era that was a special era that was. It's often described as the last golden, um, you know, Stone even, Cold, Undertaker, Kane, The Rock, um, Triple H. Yeah, and even with even with what they have going right now, with kind of a new war promotional war brewing between them and the new uh, new kid on the town, All Elite Wrestling. Um, Or, you know, it's, you know, this, it, we're just going to have to wait and see how things go. But yeah, we were in a very special time. So it was a golden era. And it's, it's the, the ratings kind of show how things have sloped down. It's because they, but they also, they also had good storylines, good writers, which contributed to stuff like that. Whereas nowadays, They've kind of gotten into this weird. It's all watered down and stuff. Yeah, it's watered. Well, that's another thing. The 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 the, um, the attitude era was TV fourteen. They the people at live audiences. Yeah, they had some pretty adult oriented storylines. Not to mention, they got the the people at at the the, the um, live showings got to hear profanity. Profanity and uh, you know. A lot that, and then the the girls in the the divas and bikinis and all that stuff, yeah. Oh, so yeah, that okay. that kind of, but yeah, that's 
<laughs> yep. Times change. Times change. That's for Times sure. change. Um, so anyway, Matt, just to kind of cap off the highlights. So again, Stevenson moving on to the WWE. Um, Penn State goes five for five in the finals. This is only the fifth time in, in NCAA history that a team has, has had five or more individual uh, title winners. Um, so the last team to do that was Penn State. Um, before that was Oklahoma State, which D.C. <laughs> in an unbiased manner says that was the best team ever. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, before that was a couple of uh, Iowa teams, too. So, again, looks like Penn State back on top. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I did take a look at their at their roster. Uh, you know, RBY and Lee, um, they are leaving uh, because they are done. Uh, but that's two have, of them, though. That's you two got of three them. natural champions coming back, right? Um, Starachi and Brooks and Dean. If I'm looking, if I'm looking at the at the roster correctly, um, yeah, Brooks is a junior. Uh, Starachi is um, actually before I go to Starachi, where is Dean? Dean's also a junior. So that's two, that's two guys coming back for a senior year. For Starachi, he's a sophomore, and he won the tournament last year. So you know what that means, Matthew. Another potential. We have yet another potential four-time winner. So, uh, you know, depends on who can rise up to challenge him, obviously. But, again, it's looking good for him to add his name to that, uh, you know, you know, it's funny how you have of the all those legendary wrestlers, like between Gable and Kale, they have not produced another one. Right. John Smith produced Pat Smith, who was his brother. Right. But you didn't have. Um, yeah, it's, it's have, a it's a unique list of in, individuals. I mean, because what is it? You've got you got Pat Smith from Oklahoma State, and yes, you got Kale, and then you got Kale from from Iowa State, and um, and uh, then Dake, you know, was from Cornell, and then Logan Steber, who was from Ohio, uh, wait, Ohio wait. State, yeah, Ohio State. So you know, it's. Uh, it, it, it uh, you know, it gets really interesting where that's going, but um, then you have to consider. So, you know, I think, yes, it's, it's going to be an interesting couple of years coming up, you know, plenty of us that we're plenty of stuff that we're going to be able to talk about. I mean, going well, you forward. know, a, a few things I looked over the statistics of both Gable and Kale Gable retired in 97. That was a little over 20 years ago. He's now 70, what is he, 70? I think he's like 73 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he could have he been coaching. Yeah, he's 73. He could have been coaching for a lot longer. Kale is 42. And I don't know if I, and we were talking about it before we started recording. Kale's at nine titles, including this year. Yes, this was his ninth title. Gable... 115 total. So Kale has eight years before he reaches 50. And he only needs six to beat, beat Gable. 
Yes, I think because uh, I was I was making a list. Thank you for bringing that up. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up the uh, try to bring up the list right now. I I made a, a table based on uh, on and, and this table this table is actually available uh, for our fans. Um, this table is available on the NCAA's website. Uh, if you go to it, it does show all the all the title winners, and it will also show um, you know who came in second what the team points were for first to second. And then it also shows who, who was the, um, the head coach of the winning team. And so, yes, Matthew, uh, Gable, Gable has the most titles of any head coach in, in, in D one history. Um, and that's 15. Uh, there's only one other coach and, and there's only one other coach who has at, uh, 10 plus, uh, titles and that's ec gallagher uh from oklahoma state who eventually uh, pretty much started that program and uh i think in some ways i think he's considered the pretty much the um i don't know if you would call it the the godfather or um the father of collegiate wrestling i mean i don't know where collegiate wrestling would be if if you didn't have ec gallagher pioneering the sport uh, the way it, it, it was. Um, so he, he's got 11 titles. So Kale now has nine titles and he, you know, he has, he's the closest to actually make something really happen, uh, at this point. And, um, but with this victory also, and, uh, just, um, uh, by the way, everyone, so, Surprise, surprise. Penn State wins the, you know, Penn State wins the national title. Uh, 131, uh, 131 and a half team points uh, was the was the final result for Penn State. Uh, second place was Michigan with 95 points, and it was Iowa. Iowa <laughs> comes from behind over Arizona State, ends up with 74 team points to take that third place. But Arizona State does hold on to fourth with 66 and a half. Nebraska with 59 and a half. So that's your top five teams. So Matthew, four out of five, Big Ten. You know, I think that just holds, that. that's just a testament to that conference's domination. Yeah, but one thing we should probably point out is the one in the top five, that was not the Big Ten. ASU. They, um, is it Zeke? I forget, is it Zeke Jones is the coach there? For ASU? Yeah. Uh, and then while, while I'm looking that up, uh, Matthew, I think we were, I, I think you did want to talk about Kale and the fact that he, um, you know where he's at right now in terms. Yeah, of- he he's with it. He's over his coaching career. He's he's within striking distance. He is he he definitely has that possibility. Like no no other coach has had the opportunity that he's had. Yeah, you're definitely right. Um, being 42 and and uh, at this point in his life, and um, I don't I don't know. You know his- I don't. Here's the thing. I don't think Gable thought that that record was going to be broken. He might have gotten a few more. He might have gotten a few more years 
if he thought that that record was going to be broken. But it was one of those things where I think he'd already made that decision that regardless of what happened in that last season, he was retiring anyways. So all of his guys went out there and just wrestled for him. But here is K- – and Kale wasn't even – I don't think he was even on the, the, the radar. He hadn't even started wrestling yet. Oh, of course. In, in college. He was just another high oh, you schooler. Can't, you, can't, you can't predict that this type of thing is going to happen. Yeah, it's like th- this passing of the torch was – you know, it's kind of funny how that timing just worked out. It's like he leaves wrestling. What happens? Kale starts this legendary run. The um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where yeah, I don't, and he was not complete. He was not out of involvement with the program completely. Like he he'd, I think he was actually at one point the athletic director of Iowa. So he was definitely involved in in Iowa athletics. He was he was in there. I don't know if he necessarily was involved in getting Zaleski removed like him. I don't think he necessarily said you're not the man, the coach I thought you were. Um, but he was definitely involved in getting brands installed. It was one of those things where he hand, it's like he was like, you know what? I yeah, think he, brands was one of his, his students. Yeah, I think it was one of those things where he was like, you know what? I screwed up. Let me try putting someone else in there and make up for this, which he 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 um he clearly picked correctly. Brands has been a lot more consistent of a coach than Zaleski ever was. So, so um, yes, ASU. It is Zeke Jones. But but yeah, going back to ASU, I we got something interesting going on here. Uh, you he, think so? he's he's a unique i don't know if he's gonna be the next bobby douglas we're just out of note we're just because this is steady progression i don't know if he is going to bring another championship to the pac-12 i mean that would be quite a coup if he, he did well he, he did he did bring a champion uh you're talking about national title yeah that'd be that'd be <laughs> well i i think that comes down to what is his what does his current roster look like? And then what does his recruiting class look like? Well, it's clearly got a good recru- recruiting class and what he's able to do with it. Number four, when was the last time you remember a Pac-12 programming number four? It's been a while. And that's why um, I, I'm I, hoping to talk like about. The, I, what I can remember, it had to be like in the 90s when Bakersfield made third. It was Iowa, Iowa State, and Bakersfield. I like to say it was like it was like ninety-eight or ninety-nine or something like that. Bakersfield's best year ever. Um, yeah, I, I think the late Tom Casperi was still with the program because I know that they because yeah they had some All Americans this year. Um, I am looking at their. Actually, you could be right. Um, Valencia is going to be graduating, and he even he he didn't. I don't think he made uh, all American this He's year. He's not like his brothers. Let's just let's just be honest. Yeah, a little a little bit of a different uh, mold than his brother. 
Well, that's kind of like how Kale brought his younger brother into Penn State. I don't think that guy ever – he might have made All-American, but he was not a, a national champion. Right. Um, so, but, I mean, I'm looking at – I'm looking at their um, – I am looking at their, their roster right now. And so far I'm seeing, you know, Anthony Valencia is in there. But other than that, Matthew – that's really the only senior that's leaving. Everyone else is junior, and over half of their team are either true or redshirt freshmen. So I, we might, I, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But the next few years could be very interesting in, in NCAA D1 wrestling. Also, yeah, here's. This uh, they have a 33 pounder, Cleveland Belton. If you want to guess, you know, try to guess the connection between ASU and a certain high school out here in California. <laughs> uh, see a Calvert Chapel guy? No, try try. Uh, you're in you're in the right direction, but another one. Think think Valencia. El Dorado. No. Um, Bosco. Bosco. So it seems to me Does that he have some kind of connection with Bosco. That's a good question. Although you know what, they do have the. That's right. Here he is. The third Valencia brother is at ASU as well. So, I think it's going to be interesting, don't you think? Yeah. ASU, ASU. It might have been one of those things where just piggyback, where maybe one of the Bosco teammates piggybacked off of the Valencias. Mm-hmm. I, it may not have been a, it may not have been like a Zeke Jones personal connection to Bosco. It might have just been a, you know, a connection related to the Valencias. Good point. Anyway, so that's where we're at, Matthew. Um, I also do want to point out that we couldn't see a four-time national champion history made again next year because um, Giacomo Mollis from Cornell, he does have a year of eligibility left. This was his third championship. So we could see – so a couple things we could be seeing happen next year if Giacomo Mollis comes out and if he does win – we could see the first – we could see Cornell becoming the first team to have more than one four-time winner. That would be interesting. Um, Starachi, if he, can, if he can do it next year, keep the streak up, then he would have a chance to repeat it in 2024. And O'Toole, right now, so far, undefeated and uh, freshman winner, so – he could be going down that kale path. Who knows? One thing I will have to say, though, in, in closing about the, the tournament, all in all the, in all the finals, um, if the number one was not in the finals, the number two was, and the number two ended up winning those matches. Um, and then I believe 
except for 184, all the number one seeds ended up winning their matches. So not really anything of an upset, I think, uh, especially, you know, Brooks was probably the number one person in the country before he lost to Amin at the Big Tens. So I would not really consider that an upset either. So in the end, I don't know that I could say that there weren't really any upsets for this tournament. Don't you think so? I would have to say so. I mean, yeah, you just, you had the, yeah, the higher seeds winning. Right. Aside from 184. So with that said though, uh, Penn State, this is number 10. So they are now the third team in NCAA history to have double digit national title numbers. And judging based on what we're saying, this is probably not going to slow down anytime soon. Um, you know, Oklahoma State still has the record. Iowa still has their record. But Penn State could be making a move, uh, you know, in the next decade or two. I doubt I doubt that, uh, well, Kale's definitely not winning 34 titles or total, but he could definitely edge Penn State up there. But whether... Well, I definitely, you know, in my mind, definitely he could make a run for passing Iowa. He could at least make a run for beating Gable's record. That's that's what he could definitely do. The, the 15, 15 titles as a coach. He, yeah, I I think sixteen is easy is I think sixteen is with easily within his range. Okay, like I said forty two. Yep, he's got eight years before fifty. All right. So uh, with that being said, season's over. That's yep. the end. And one last quick thing that I wanted to bring up is that um, from March twenty. 5th to the 27th is the 2020 NHSCA High School Nationals, which you said is a USAA um, tournament, but it is invite only. And this is a tournament where, um, depending on what state you're in, it's either the state champions or the state All-Americans. Like in, uh, in California, it's the state All-Americans. You take eight per weight class. Um, I guess for all the other states, it would depend on like, uh, it would just depend because, because California is very weird because we're the largest state in the nation and we only have one tournament. Most other states have state tournaments based off of divisions, which is school size. So... And I know there's been recent talks about splitting up the tournament, but it hasn't come to fruition, at least not yet. And I'm sure that the pandemic probably stalled things there as well. But this tournament, this is an invite-only tournament for, I it might be the state champion. Like I said, the criteria solely depends on the state. Some of them might get to send their, their finalists. Some of them, the state champions only. And in the case of like California, you get to send all your All-Americans. Uh, and I don't really know how it turns out in terms of like, well, let's see who uh, who does what in the um, 
it's just a it's just a postseason tournament. It's just a tournament, and it's it's invite only, and not all the wrestlers have to do it. So, all right, cool. Yep, that should be interesting. Maybe we can report on that uh, next week, hopefully. And uh, a couple other things. Want to, uh, as as we all know, uh, women's wrestling is an emergency emerging sport uh, in the NCAA. So we're really hoping that um, you know that will help them out because that also helps out uh, men's programs and hopefully we can get more men's programs to emerge. And this is in relation to the one D three program that's uh, that's starting. Yes, and um, so and uh, by the way, a huge shout out to um, Wrestler Report on Instagram. Uh, they uh, reported that. Um, uh, D3 school, Marymount University of Virginia will be adding a men's wrestling program for the upcoming 22-23 season. And they will also be adding women's wrestling for the upcoming 23-24 season. So uh, again, a shout out to Wrestler Report on Instagram for reporting that. Uh, thank you uh, for providing us behind the scenes uh, information and reports. And uh, so uh, to our audience please make sure that you look them up and give them a follow uh so that you can get uh wrestling news uh like that so matthew with that being said uh you know we do hope uh you know now we're going to get into the international season a lot of things to talk about but you know we're going to try and keep our members up to date and uh you know we also will try to talk about who we would predict to be coming back, who could be uh, making a run for those titles for next uh, next year. Uh, so we'll and just... also also uh, um, Japanese high school teams coming up. Mm-hmm. That is correct. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, um, we're going to go ahead and close this episode out. Thank you all for watching and listening. Uh, Matthew, uh, as again, thank you for your for your commentary. Uh, you know, going it firsthand, and uh, so again, please make sure that you uh, follow Matthew. Uh, he does write for the website mma-freak.com, and you can also follow him on uh, Twitter as well. And uh, my Twitter and Instagram is at Matthew Salzer. My and MMA Freak. Uh, Twitter at MMA Freakout, and um, and then Matthew, just uh, make sure. Can you uh, give our audience um, the places where we're also at besides YouTube? Okay. In addition to YouTube, we are on Rumble, Acast, Apple, Spotify, and now Google. We will probably be adding more platforms in the future. All right. So- and also, we will probably be posting clips of our show in the future as well. All right. So with that being said, uh, everyone, uh, we'll be closing this out and hope you have a great rest of your week. And uh, until then, take care.